Welcome to Flower Hour. A podcast completely dedicated to baking. I'm Amanda in Los Angeles. And I'm Jeremiah in Sacramento. <laughs> it is that season and speaking of that do you have a huge baking list you're trying to get through for the I, holidays i wish i had a list um that would mean i was a little more organized than i am i do have uh things in my brain it's more of like a thought cloud bubble of just stuff drifting around in there do you have a proper list like is it written no. out no i'm i'm soup just like you obviously um and it's huge. And I real and I'm realizing, I mean, Christmas, when this episode comes out, Christmas will be only a week away. And I don't think I'm going to get through it all. I want to do the cookie boxes. I want to do all the Portuguese Christmas things that I have done and haven't done. I want to make things for people. And I'm like, where is this time going? I know where your time is going. All those Yule log classes. <laughs> I, need to, <laughs> I need to burn that wood. <laughs> I think it's awesome. But doesn't this happen every year, at least for me, like every year, kind of like, I don't know, pre-holiday, I'm like, oh, this year I'm going to make a Yule log and a Crocombosh and I'm going to do this. I'm going right. to do that. And I'm going to do right. a cookie box and I'm going to do, and then ultimately I, I do check off some of those things, but I've never done it all. No. Yeah. Mm-mm. And here's the thing I know for myself. And I, I've really been thinking about this when I go to my grandmother's house to bake is to really kind of pare down so you can be present and like feel that holiday cheer, as they say, and really be in the moment, enjoy the baking. Cause sometimes for me, I can get into this push of like, I just need to get it all done. And it's this challenge. And then it's like a race against the clock. And then at the end I'm like, okay, cool. I have all these different things I made, but did I have the experience with myself or with the moment or with the people I'm around that I could have had if I had just kind of taken a step back and try not tried to be so ambitious. I think that's a great thought and a good reminder for me and probably everybody listening. I know for me, I don't know why I always have this like random image of myself having a cup of tea by the Christmas tree. (laughs) sounds like (laughs) such like a grandmotherly thing to do, but I feel like like I have to have time to do those things or else all the other stuff doesn't like exactly what you're saying. Like it just doesn't end up being the experience that I wanted. So yeah, chill out. Even if you have a really ambitious list, maybe delete a few things and, and know that hopefully you'll get to do this next year or break the rules, bake whatever you want in July, make a Yule log in July. Nobody minds, you know? Oh gosh, now my brain is spinning about what that could be. That would be really fun. Oh, a summer yeah. Yule log. How fun is that? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, today is our last episode of 2018, and what a year it's been. And we're celebrating by answering questions from you guys and also interviewing three of you, three of our listeners who won our meringue baking contest. And I'm really, really excited as I am for every episode, but especially for this one. Whoa, you guys amazed us. So many great entries. I really appreciate every single one. I was super excited when they would pop up. I was searching the hashtag. I was looking for tagged pictures and the baking community never disappoints. 
you're going to hear a lot about that later in the episode through the interviews with those three bakers of how much we all appreciate this community that we've created together. And we're so, Amanda and I are so proud and happy to be able to talk to you guys so often on Instagram and on the podcast. So speaking of the community, first things first, we have a lot of listener questions to get through in this episode. And I wanted to start with one because it just makes sense. Start at the beginning. Displaced Housewife wrote and said, how did you come to the decision to do the podcast? I love it. And I'm so glad that you did. And I thought you, sir, should answer this question because it was your idea. So it comes from two places. One that's very selfish and creative and then one that is sort of business-minded and wanting to connect to more people. So the selfish creative part is that, well, it's you, Amanda. (laughs) You and I have been talking since the Great American Baking Show about all kinds of things. A lot lot of the proportion of our time is spent baking, but it's about, about life and and all, all kinds of wonderful things. So I know, I knew that we had a chemistry that we could, we could capitalize on and why not share what we're talking about with the, everyone at large, everyone at large. That sounds weird, but I'm saying it. (laughs) (laughs) We get the idea. (laughs) And then I was in this cookbook mastermind group, learning how to write a cookbook um, with Maggie Green. And she was talking about the power of podcasts and how they are really becoming more and more a part of the culture and people were talking about doing them about different topics. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is a perfect way for me and Amanda to connect with the community, to give light to the projects we're working on, and to just be able to talk about what we love. At the end of the day, this is still feels like this awesome hobby that's turning into a career, but it's still like a hobby that I'm just like, I just, I want to talk about it all the time. I want to do it all the time. It doesn't feel like a job. And I feel like the podcast is this great medium that celebrates that. We get to really indulge, perfect word, in um, this whole topic. And it's, it's just been such a fun ride. And it's still going. And I can't wait to see where we where we go in 2019. Yes, yes, yes. I'm so thankful that you asked me to do this with you. Because I'll be honest, like before us doing this, I, I had only listened to maybe one or two episodes of podcasts. I was new to the whole genre of it. And when you first asked me, it really kind of like, it made me nervous. I'm not much of a performer or like somebody who likes to, um, I like, I don't enjoy putting myself out there in that way, but I try to say yes to scary things. And I'm really, really glad that I did. And one thing I love so much about it is it gives us kind of like a sneaky way to get to talk to all of the people that we're really curious about and want to talk to. So I think that's like a side side benefit that I didn't really see coming of like, Oh, now I have this like perfect reason to seek out people that I admire that I'm curious about. And that's been really amazing. And then you guys will hear each person we talk to talks about the community. And I feel like I loved the baking community before, but now even more so it feels like we have this great way to be connected. So it's not really for me why I thought, oh yeah, let's do this podcast. But in the end, it's the thing that kind of keeps me going with it. That's so true. That's so true. For my original reasons, yes, I get to hang out with you more often, which is <laughs> was my first priority. But yeah, you're right. Now that we're we get to talk to people I never imagined I'd get to talk to and and get to learn from 
from people I never thought I'd have a one-on-one moment with. This is, yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's way cool. I think we're both super thankful. At L Hilton 428 wants to know which of our 2018 episodes was our favorite, most fun to make, and then which was the most challenging? Oh my gosh. Okay. So this is really hard to answer because, Ooh, it's like choosing your favorite child. Uh, that is not a simple question. Also, it's hard for me to remember what was in 2018. Cause we have some of season one in 2018 and some of season one is in 2000. Can I just do since the podcast? Do it. Break the rules. I'm always breaking the rules. Okay. I can't remember if we've talked about this on here before, but I would say for sure the most challenging episode was the first episode. Nothing to do That's with the right. guest, <laughs> but um, our guest was Nick, who had been on season three of the Great American Baking Show, and he was lovely, and we had a great conversation, and after we finished, we like said goodbye Um, you know, he went on his merry way and we realized that we lost all of our chat with him. So then we had to reach back out to him and redo it. And that was really challenging. Like one, we felt terrible to have to, you know, use his time in that way. But then also as we were doing the interview, I'm going, I can't remember, like, did we already ask this? And like, I didn't want us to ask the same question two times. And the second one, it was like deja vu turned up to a million. So that was really challenging. Um, and plus it was the first, like, yeah, the first, (laughs) (laughs) there was a lot of wine in that one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, favorite. Oh gosh. You know what? Actually one of my favorites, and it's just because it's like a personal idol of mine. And, and I want to be very diplomatic and say, and it, and it's not being diplomatic. It's being true. Just know from the heart, I've enjoyed each person. I've learned something every time and everyone's been so lovely and I couldn't be more thankful. So now that I've said that disclaimer, um, having Claire Pitak on just like rocked my world. I just admire her so much. And she, she didn't disappoint. Like, you know, when you meet somebody that you really, really, really admire, Sometimes you feel a little let down afterwards. No, I loved her more. I was more impressed than I could have ever been. She's so humble and so curious and so knowledgeable and just inspiring person. So that was definitely a highlight for me. But interestingly enough, that was also challenging. Do you remember? We had a lot of technical issues. We had to reschedule that one, I think, twice. Um, we had internet issues, you know, she's in the UK and she tried to, um, connect with us while she was at a boot styling shoe and things just weren't happening. And then she, she was messaging us, but the messages weren't getting to us. So she thought we were ignoring her, not like maliciously, but like, you know, sure. just a lot of miscommunication. So that w- we were so, so thankful that she was, um, patient and willing to, um, to set aside more time for us because we knew, we knew we needed to, to have some have this episode with her. Yeah. We fought for it and she was patient through the whole ride, which was really cool. So, uh, what about you? I'm curious. Do you have like a tragedy or a sad out? (laughs) 
I've just got to say that the David late episode will always be really close to my heart just because he opened up so much about his personal life and his journey. So, I mean, that wasn't even really about baking, but, and then yet it is right. So that one's always going to be dear to my heart. And then the Portuguese connection, I mean, you know, you all know how I feel about that. And then also challenging for me was for me personally was the, the ginger Elizabeth episode because she's one of my like local heroes. And we also had some technical difficulties getting her logged in to the, the platform we use. And I just hated having her not ha- having things not go smoothly for her. That just broke my heart. Cause I just, I just, I just look up to her so much, but that's just me meeting a celebrity for the first time and wanting things to be okay. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I think that's only natural and, we do our best, but like technology as amazing as it is, is sometimes a challenge for us. So we get it done in the end, don't we? <laughs> we sure do. Let's go to our first interview with David. He's in Canada and the picture he submitted for our meringue contest was this meringue covered cake pop. And it's unlike any cake pop I'd ever seen. It looked like the most elegant flower coming from a fairy tale. Um, I can't wait for you An guys. avant-garde cake pop. It was like... I mean, what other cake pop <laughs> would you want? I mean, it's it's freaking brilliant. Well, David, welcome to Flower Hour. We're so excited to have you on here. Quickly, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Give them your screen name and uh, just a little quick tidbit about yourself so everybody can find you and follow you and know and love you like we do. Oh, sure. Thank you so much, Amanda. Uh, my name is David Lum. I'm um, from Toronto. Um, I'm semi-retired, but I still do a bit of catering for a few clients that, that I've kept. Uh, my IG account is David Lum TO. And uh, I guess I, I continue catering because I just, I love food and I love eating. And, you know, it just worked, uh, worked well for me. Awesome. So the TO, that's for Toronto all this time. That's for Toronto. Funny thing. That's correct. Yeah. When you don't actually get to talk to someone all this time, I've been thinking your name was David Lumto. So <laughs> <laughs> now we know the real you. There we go. I guess I should should explain that, but uh, uh, I, David Lum was taken. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. That's why I have the E in mind. There's lots of Amanda Fabers out there too. So Yes. But only one you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and right back to you, David. So true. Um, and which actually, your little bit of encouragement there just reminds me. I love how encouraging you are. I think there are a lot of positive voices on Instagram, and you're certainly one of them. Um, and I just, it's nice to have the chance to actually thank you and semi person here. But just, you're always so encouraging and such a positive force, I feel like, in that space. So thank you for that. Well, thank you very much. I, I, I tell you, the, the uh, IG community has been so welcoming and so supportive. Uh, I've, I've been lucky enough. I haven't, uh, I haven't met, I haven't connected with anyone that has been negative. So every, everything's been positive. And speaking of Instagram, your feed is absolutely stunning. And what you're up to on there is just everyone needs to check it out. But tell us, what are you baking this week? Oh, I have a, I have, it's my busy period right now. I have a lot of uh, Christmas parties. I actually have one tonight. So they requested red velvet cupcakes, which is a classic, but everyone still loves them. I 
kind of surprised. Um, and I have upcoming parties where I have a lot of keto clients now. So last night I was actually making keto meringues for the first time. And uh, they weren't bad, but I wasn't uh, still need to work on the recipe. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's always fun to experiment and to, uh, I guess, uh, I'm doing a lot of research on it, but it's, uh, it's a little difficult finding ingredients. So how do you tweak meringues to make them fit that diet? What's the, how do you? Well, it's, it's the substitute sugar. There are so many different types of uh, uh, keto-approved uh, substitute sugars, and finding the right one, I found it's been, been a little difficult. The, most of the recipes suggest using um, uh, swerve sugar, icing sugar. My first batch, when I tasted them, it gave me an odd uh, tongue feeling, and I, did, I wasn't crazy about that, and I didn't think my clients would like that as well. So last night, I tried it again with monk, uh, monk fruit, and it was a bit better, but still, it's, it, it needs a bit of work. Have you, have you tried any keto baking? That's what I don't think that I've scratched the surface of. No, that's what, you know, it's like one thing at a time. I've kind of started dipping my toes into gluten-free. Jeremiah has a lot of gluten-free experience and <laughs> some vegan stuff, but no, that right. one I haven't. It's really hard for oh, me to let go of sugar, you know? With the aquafab, making the meringues with the aquafab. Yeah. Chickpea water, I love them. Yeah, I, I feel like, have you posted those before? I'm like picking yes. through my brain. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I have. Yeah. And they turned out incredible. I was quite pleased with them. Again, uh, you need to tweak on the flavor. They just adapt any flavor that you add to it. But those, those are perfect. So I highly recommend them to anyone who's, who has vegan clients or, or just wants to play around with something different. Just to shake it up for fun, why not? You know? Yeah, why not? I haven't, uh, I haven't tried making a meringue nest with it yet, but I think uh, after Christmas, I'm, I'm going to give it a try. Your meringue nests are gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, oh I'd love thank to see you. That. They did thank it on so this, this most recent um, season of the Great British Bake Off. They did a whole pavlova stack out of aquafaba meringues, and I had never seen it. Oh. So you can do it. do it. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'll, I'll have to look into that. Did they use the uh, balloon method? The balloon method? I don't know. I don't, they did it pretty, it looked pretty standard what they were up to, but tell us about that method. I don't know what that is. Oh, I, th that's how I make, I love using the balloon method. So still trying to uh, uh, tweak that as well because it's kind of a hit or miss recipe where you use a balloon i tried it with a french meringue and that didn't hold very well because it was too light a swiss meringue was also uh, a little too soft uh, but the italian meringue was my go-to for that for that recipe it's a it's a bit more firm it's uh you almost have to take it to the point where it's almost over whipped because you want to um pipe around the balloon and it needs to stay up a lot of times the 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 meringue may be too soft and it, it starts peeling off of the balloon as you're baking oh. it 
So, so do you hold, the you, balloon, you hold the balloon and then pipe around the base of it? And then do you flip it and set it with the base down on your baking sheet or how? No, I, I, I pipe a little circle and then I, I, and I place the balloon on it. And then I start piping. I use a, um, uh, uh, a, a lazy Susie, as I guess that's what you call them. And I start <laughs> yep. scrolling and I'll, and, and I'll pipe the meringue out around the balloon. And you have to go a little bit higher because as you're baking, the meringue will start to slide down a bit. So it's, it's a bit of uh, hit and miss trying to get the right ones. But once, when you get it, it's spectacular. They're amazing because you can fill them with so many different things. So, and you bake the balloon. Yes, you bake the balloon. So halfway through the process, you let a little bit of the air out. You slowly start letting air out. And so that the inside of the meringue can cook as well. And in about three quarters of the way, you remove the balloon completely. And then the meringue sets, so it's completely hollowed out. You have completely blown my mind, and I cannot <laughs> wait to try it. My mind is going crazy. I have it, I have it posted on my feed. You should, you should definitely oh, yeah. take a look at it. I will. Yeah, I, do, I do have the step-by-step process. I haven't had a chance to post that into my stories yet. It just, there's so much, there's so many hours in a day and I'm in awe of anyone who has a blog or, or, or you, or it's just, it's, I just don't know how you guys do it. You must not sleep. That's all I can say. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, well, I don't know. It's hard. Like, where, do you, where do you find the time in the day? I mean, it's, it's insane. It's, There's never enough. Uh, that's for sure. I feel like, especially when you have something you're passionate about, it's it's endless, right? Yes. So, I know. So true. Amanda, we want to know some buttercream, buttercream tips, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm wild about your piping style, the way that it looks. It's very unique. When I'm scrolling through, I'm like, oh, I know who made this instantly when I see your photos. I think it's so beautiful. And I was curious what kind of buttercream you use. And also if you have any tips for our listeners on how you learn to pipe, was it just practice or is there a particular resource that you'd recommend? It was just by practice. And I, I think the biggest part was you have to invest on the right tools. So piping tips make a huge difference uh, in, 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 make, in piping out flowers or, or any designs. I have drawers and drawers of, of piping tips, and it also depends on what you're piping and and then the type of buttercream that you want to make. My go-to is uh, would be the Italian meringue. I just find that uh, I find it's a lot more stable when you're when you're piping, and I also like to kind of double dip. So, for example, the pop cake meringue that I make. Yes. Uh, when you start off making the the meringue before I add the butter in for the um, uh, for the t- Italian meringue buttercream, I I dip the pop cakes into the meringue mix, and then I put that into the fridge and let that set. So it becomes a little sticky. So when you do pi- when you finally make the buttercream meringue, and you want to pipe any flowers or any shape on it, it it adheres to it. It's the it's the perfect glue. That's such an interesting thought because I'm going, you could probably do that with a cake, like crumb coat with just the meringue, chill that oh, completely, and then cover it with the buttercream. Yes, com- completely. Meringue. And you can also do that. I've also made, um, I 
my one of my favorite cakes. I call it the Game of Thrones cake because it looks like the uh, uh, the uh, the South Wall. Or I can't remember what wall that was called, but you make your cake. You make the thyme meringue. You you crumb coat the cake with the um, with the meringue. Then you take the meringue and you you place it on a cookie sheet thinly and you bake it. So so then you end up getting a big square piece of meringue and then you shatter them and then you just stick that right onto the cake and it adheres perfectly. I love the drama of that. Yeah. Oh, so cool. Yeah. It's a fun, it's a fun cake and all in all, it's a lot easier because everyone thinks that you've made all these different steps. Uh, Meanwhile, you just, you basically just double dipped on your uh, time on your meringues. Wow. So excited. This is so inspiring. And I love talking to, sh- to chefs because we learn so much. We, I just, Amanda, we have to have him back. This is, I know. Which <laughs> I want to learn more from you, David. Yeah. I love your creative idea. I, I'm constantly learning from Instagram. I, I get, I'm inspired every day. I just have to scroll through and you pick up all these great ideas. It, it just, it's changed my life. It's opened my eyes to so many different things. Well, before we let you go, we must ask you our classic flower hour question. So we'd like to know if you could bake for anyone, dead or alive, who would you bake for and what would you make for them? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's a hard question. Um, Right now, because I'm on this uh, keto phase, I would love to bake something for Oprah. (laughs) Because she loves the she loves the keto diet, so I would love to figure out how to make the perfect meringues, the perfect keto uh, baked cake for her, and and that would be ideal. I can already see it being one of her favorite things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine as well. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a true pleasure. We'll talk to you soon, for sure. Thank you, David. See you on Instagram. You take care. You take care. Bye-bye. Well, speaking of free from and different diets, Voila Desserts from Instagram wants to know, does the whole gluten-free and specialty diet movement put a damper on your creative, creative spirit? I think this is a really interesting question. And if you would have asked me two or three years ago, I would have been like, Ooh, yes, it's so such a hampering thing. I don't like it. And, uh, I, I would have been naively negative, but I would say at this point, I feel like if anything, it encourages a creative spirit because there's so many new and fun ways to make things innovative ways. Like we, heard David just now mention, you know, baking with aquafaba. And these are things that a few years ago would be like, what is that? And now it's becoming more and more common. And so I would say, no, I don't think it does hamper the creative spirit. I do think there's certain times when you say this is just not a fit. Like this is a dessert that is, it's special because it relies on gluten or it's special because it highlights butter and this person is dairy free. Maybe that's not the right thing for them. So there's times when maybe it is a no-go in my personal opinion. Maybe that'll change two years from now. I don't know. But um, I think in general, it makes you uh, find a new and creative way to come up with things. What do you think, Jeremiah? I 
can't add anything to that. You said it so perfectly. Mind meld. Awesome. Okay. Next question is from A.M. Fairer on Instagram and says, what was your favorite bake of Jeremiah's from Gab's? So that's really hard for me to pick because I could like list off a ton of your bakes that I just adored both in the aesthetics and also the taste and the creativity. You made me taste sea urchin for the first time. Like how cool is that? I loved it. It was delicious. It was like a a taste of the ocean, which was really special for me, but I'm just going to answer the first thing that popped into my head. When I read the question, I thought your giant bread sleigh. (laughs) It fills me with joy. Every time I think about it, I thought it was so just uh, ambitious and creative. It shared your heritage and it just kind of captured a lot of what I love about you and the way that you bake. So uh, your big old sleigh and presence is what comes to my mind. Oh, thank you. And I, they better want to know what my favorite was of yours. And if they don't, I'm going to tell you anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It says and vice versa. What was Jeremiah's favorite bake of yours? I, it does feel like I'm picking favorites of your children, which feels really wrong. Um, but the first one that came to my mind, which I've actually, the, the recipe is on the Great American Baking Show website, and I've made, is your tartlets that contain pimento cheese. Oh my gosh. What a stunning, stunning delicious situation. So also just, I mean, visually when at first I, before I even tasted them, you had them all lined up. I'm, I think Mary said, Oh, look at them. They're like little soldiers, <laughs> but like soldiers from like a beautiful modern art museum. They were gorgeous. And I love that you mix that kind of abstractness with these really, really yummy flavors that, you know, you find at, at homes in the South. And that is one of my favorite flavors from that, the whole competition. Yay. I'm so glad you picked one that I felt proud of because that's one that I felt really proud of. So thank you, sir. All right. So our next listener interview is with Marissa. You guys, it's such a delicious chat. We talked about chocolate chip cookies. We talked about her amazing Instagram where she tries everything. Speaking of the great American baking show, like attention casting people, I feel like she is the contestant that you are looking for. Her variety of skills is, I mean, she's dynamic. So this is a great chat. You guys are going to love it. Marissa, welcome to Flower Hour. We're so excited to get to know you. Can you tell us where to find you on social media so that everyone can follow you as well? Sure. So my Instagram is marissbake underscore bakes a lot. So M-A-R-I-S-S underscore bakes a lot. Um, and that's where I post all my bakes. So uh, usually one, you know, actual post and then the rest, I try to update my stories with how the bake is going, but I do forget from time to time. <laughs> we know that feeling. That's, that's <laughs> really challenging, right? Because it feels like you, all yeah. you have to do is make your bake, post your picture and you're a g- great Instagrammer. And now it's like, no, no, no. Now you got to take pictures through the whole process. It's this whole other thing. And I always feel like I'm, I'm trying to get like beat 
the sun setting so I can get natural light for the actual photo. And I'm not very good at that, that time management. Like the other day I was like, I need to finish this by four o'clock because here in Boston, <laughs> it's getting dark. And of course I was done at four forty, and I was like, okay, well that was a waste. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Chasing the sun. I feel like that's the, should be the name of like an Instagram community, like exactly. baking community. Exactly. Oh my gosh. That is perfect. You need to write that down, man. <laughs> So looking at your feed, though, you are good at everything and you try everything. It's so much fun to to see. So tell us some of your favorite baking disciplines. Sure. So I, you know, I as I said, I think I go with a more liberal arts approach to baking. I like to try everything. Uh, I realized a few years ago I had really no experience with French pastry from watching your season of Bake Off. So from there, I bought a few books, and I've been trying to get more into, you know, French pastry, but then I also do, you know, bread, cakes, everything. So I try to, you know, just challenge myself, really. Is there a book that stands out to you that's particularly helpful? Because I think that's really, it's one of those, like, interesting areas of baking that can be really intimidating, and even some of the books will scare home bakers off. Is there one that you found really speaks to you? Uh, I listened to you guys do the reunion last episode and it was so funny. Most of the books that were mentioned are some of my absolute favorites. So the art of French pastry is definitely the first one I bought when I was trying to do French pastry. I also love Brave Tart um, for, you know, just the American classics. And then it was funny. I had just, after listening to that episode, I, was, I asked, put on my Christmas list, I said, I was like, I need the baking Bible and the tartine cookbook. So hopefully those are coming soon. <laughs> you and I are reversed because I just put the Art of French Pastry on my Christmas oh, list. Yeah. So. <laughs> and as you good. said it, I just wrote that down, the Art of French Pastry, because I'm going, I really do need to get this book. So you and me both. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's just like it doesn't, it has a ton of description and doesn't really cut corners. So I've found that even though things, you know, might take a long time, generally speaking, I'm not wasting anything. That's like my biggest pet peeve with baking and especially experimenting is that I hate wasting ingredients. (laughs) So from that cookbook, I've had pretty good success. Well, tell us how you got started baking. Sure. So uh, growing up, my mom and grandmother both, you know, baked a lot. Uh, my grandmother subscribes more to the, you know, throwing things unmeasured into a bowl and then somehow it comes out tasting really great, which has never really worked that well for me. I'm kind of the scientist side where I, you know, measure everything to exact grams and all that. And then my mom, she always is a baker. She makes the best chocolate chip cookies in the world. So, um, I guess from there, like the traditional family stuff, I, you know, got really into the Food Network in high school and made a lot of Ina's uh, desserts from all of her cookbooks. And then I kind of took a break when I was in graduate school. And then my boyfriend was like, you need a hobby. So I uh, watched your season of Bake Off and I got really back into it. So, and then the Instagram also has helped me to, you know, keep people or, so supportive and, uh, you know, people whose recipes I make, my family, friends. So it's been uh, really helpful to motivate me to keep trying new things. I love that. I love that. I feel that same kind of, um, 
like good pressure from Instagram to kind of keep at it. I think it's a nice pressure. So let's circle back to your mom's chocolate chip cookies. Is there a recipe that she uses that you could share or, you know, some special kind of tweak or what do we know about those? So she says that they're the Toll House recipe, but I know that there's a few tweaks involved in that. So she uses shortening, uh, not butter, which I know is blasphemous, but they come out tasting (laughs) great. And then um, she also uses dark brown sugar instead of light brown sugar. Growing up, I never knew that light brown sugar was a thing because we only ever use dark brown sugar in every recipe, which is very random, but my mom must just like it. So I think it gives them like a deeper flavor, which is nice. Uh, And then, yeah, some of the, I think her mixing technique is very individual to her. Like I can never figure out exactly how long to cream things versus mixing the flour. And she definitely adds extra chocolate chips too. <laughs> you know what, Amanda, we're never getting sponsored by a shortening company. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm sorry, shortening companies. <laughs> there's a time and a place for everything. I will say that, right? Jeremiah, there's a time and a place for everything. And the yes. cookies sound amazing. I love yeah. the idea yes. of dark brown sugar going in there. Marissa, have you tried using dark muscovado? I have not, not in I've, me either. I, yeah, I just, I don't come across that, that frequently. Like even at whole foods nowadays, I feel like they have everything, but it's just not one of those things that I come across. So I haven't tried it. Yeah. I'm dying to try it. I put it on my Christmas list. Um, along with <laughs> the, the art of French pastry. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. Jeremiah's Santa. Hint, hint. I hope you're listening. <laughs> so speaking of Santa, what are you baking for the holidays? So I decided I'm going to give my friends cookie boxes, just like a random assortment that I need to make, probably gingerbread. I think Linzer cookies, I've been seeing those everywhere on Instagram recently, and it they're just so beautiful. Um, and then I think for my big bake for Christmas, I recently got Dominique Ansel's uh, cookbook, and he has these very intricately designed uh pine cones with the with the little petals I guess made of chocolate and they look beautiful and the flavors sound amazing so I think I'm going to attempt those but we'll see how it goes and then um that over Christmas my work uh, I have a break from work so I usually try something pretty um you know something that will take a few days so I haven't done a laminated dough in a really long time so I'm hoping to do something with a laminated dough I absolutely love your ambition and I'll be (laughs) trolling your Instagram waiting to see these things pop up. (laughs) So hopefully they're not a big fail. Usually I keep the fails in the stories. So (laughs) (laughs) you're our kind of baker. That's for sure. (laughs) All right. So before we let you go, we must ask if you could bake for anyone dead or alive, who would you bake for and what would you make for them? Uh, sure. So I've thought about it because I do listen to the podcast. So I'm very lucky that my friends and family, I get to bake for them all the time. So I'm not going to pick any of them. Sorry, guys. Um, and I know a ton of people pick Ina Garten. So, and as much as I imagine like that nice dessert in the Hamptons, it would be so much fun. I actually think I'm going to change my basic answer to something different. So I recently have been really into the career and life of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I would love to have, you know, a conversation with her about her life story. So I think I'll pick her. And as far as what I would make, 
uh, I've been dying to try to make uh, a mirror glazed entremet. So it's not something I have really done very much of. I haven't made many, uh, many mousse cakes, I would say, especially like I don't have that many silicone molds, mirror glazes. It's all kind of advanced, but it'd be, I think what I would try. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, amazing. amazing. <laughs> Goosebumps for your choice. What a awesome choice. <laughs> Thank you. The, the pastry and the person. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm just, yeah. Wow. Well, well chosen. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us. And we just really, really enjoyed getting to know you. I really appreciate that you guys like had me on. I'm just a hobbyist. And I think that, you know, I love you on Instagram. And I think that the podcast is so helpful to people that bake it you know the community is so fun and you learn a lot so i really am honored that you guys interviewed me so thank you so much thank you thanks so much for your time and uh we're just thrilled to be part of that baking community and you're a big part of that too so thanks for your time and uh we'll see you on instagram definitely thanks guys At Sunday Baking would like to know what's the one baked item that you don't buy because you like yours the best. Hmm. Should I take this one first? I want to know your answer too, though. Oh, please. Cause I'm still thinking. Okay. <laughs> uh, mine for me is an easy answer. I would say my chocolate cake and it's the, the last part of her question, it's because you like yours the best. And that's exactly why I wouldn't say that it's because mine is the best. There's a lot of like really amazing chocolate cakes out there, but you know how, when you taste a certain thing, like over and over and over, then when you want that kind of a thing, that's the taste you're going for. I feel like it's that way with a lot of things that maybe your mother has made, you know, like a lot of people will say, you know, things about what their mom has made and that's the standard. I think I've eaten this chocolate cake so much now that if I want chocolate cake, basically nothing else will do. It's like, it has to be that one. So what about you? Well, I have to say your recipe is my go-to now. I just made it recently for my dad's birthday and it's just, it's easy to make and it always delivers on the flavor. Mm. And that, oh, it's always moist. Like I'm one of those people who always wants to use a cake soak, but I don't for that cake because it's perfectly moist every time. And that says a lot about the recipe. Oh, that makes me happy, happy. Gosh, let's see. I think it, it's a tough question, right? It's a tough question. I'm kind of going back and forth between two wildly different things. You know me, I can never pick one, but one would be pastege de nata because well first of all they're really hard to find in the u.s and then when you do often they're just not that great although i haven't had everyone's i know there's some happening in new york city they haven't had yet um and the other one i think is chocolate chip cookies i feel like the ones at bakeries are just not like what's happening right now in the whole blog world and instagram worlds of recipes However, I, if I am in New York City, I will always go down for a Levan cookie. That those are those are amazing. But I think I'm not buying cookie a chocolate chip cookie at a bakery. I'm making it myself. I think that's a good good choice. That's one of those things that like homemade is just so special and like the right version of it. I feel like yeah. And everyone has their they want a certain texture. They want a certain type of chocolate. Maybe they want the salt on top. Maybe they don't. So I feel like that's the one where you just got to do it yourself because you know what you like. 
So next up, L Hilton wants to know what baking accomplishments in 2018 are you most proud of? I would say completing the proposal for my cookbook. Um, I had to create 10 recipes for that proposal and I sent them out for testing. I think probably some of you remember me asking about that on social media. People wanted to test and you might've even been one of my testers. And I learned so much through that whole process. I think a lot of those recipes weren't even really ready for testing. Like I needed to do it a couple more times. So it was a bit humbling when things came back and I was like, oh wow, I need to really fix a lot of things. So, you know, I didn't go to school to be a cookbook writer. This is a new area for me and I'm growing. And that was a really wonderful moment of growth and everyone was really patient and helpful. So I'm most proud of the fact that once I got that feedback, I really buckled down and got those 10 recipes into a spot where I know they're going to work and I'm really proud of them. And the one I'm most proud of is the pistache donata because it's such an iconic dessert. And I had so many fails at home um, that I really had to figure out a way to make them work in a home oven or at least in my own home oven. So if it works in mine, I, I'm pretty confident it's going to work in yours. I wish I had a button to push that would like cheer for you right now. Like, whoa, like <laughs> I need the audience button just because that's a huge accomplishment. And I'm so proud of you too. Thank you. And it's hard too. It's hard to, you know, in this world where you're trying to grow as someone in food um, to say, Hey, I, I could have done better, but I think it's important to show that that's part of the journey. And, um, you know, you, I always want to present as professionally as possible, but sometimes you have to, you have to learn the hard way. And that was one of those moments for me. I think that's cool that that's like a challenging moment, but also a moment of pride. Yeah. That's, that's something I think I wouldn't have done when I was younger. You know, sometimes when you have those uncomfortable moments, it's easy, easy to say, I'm done with this. Let's move on to whole totally different, like discipline or something else for maybe forget the whole project. But I think now to be like, okay, let's, let's, let's bring it, let's bring it even harder and make this work. And you always have a choice of how you want to tell the story in your mind, you know, how you want to move forward. So, well, what about you? You have a lot to be proud of. I could list your accomplishments. (laughs) Maybe you should, because sometimes when I see things like this, I'm like, I don't know what I even did. Uh, but reading this brings to mind, remember I had a baking resolution at the end of last year to just try some more free from bakes. It wasn't that I wanted to become a master of them or anything like that, but I had not made a gluten-free cake. I hadn't tried to make a dairy-free cake or just seeking out some of those bakes. And I feel really proud that I did that. Like this year I've made dairy-free cakes, gluten-free cakes, vegan cakes, vegan frosting. I've tried a lot of these free from bakes. It's been really fun. Some have been not delicious and some have been very delicious. And uh, it's just been a cool experience for me. So I feel really proud that that was my goal and that I did it. It feels good. Check, check. (laughs) Congrats. L.H. Hilton, I always say that wrong. L. Hilton also wants to know what baking goals do we have for 2019? Oh, gosh, this is hard for me. Hmm. Do you have an answer straight off the top of your head? It's continuing this journey with the cookbook. It is such a journey. I um, have a lot of respect for people who do it. I really wish I could clear my whole life and just be like a monk 
working on recipes all day long. That would really make me happy, actually. Um, but it's the goal is to just keep getting through recipes, keep sharing what I can. Um, I wish I could give all the recipes I work on to everyone for free, but that's not the reality. So I have to, it's a lot of work that no one gets to enjoy for quite a long time, which is hard, but, um, that's, that's 2019. It's just buckling down. Keep, keep working on this book. I think for me, I will say, and this may change, I may change my resolution, but just off the top of my head, something that I find really challenging is knowing how much to take on and, there's a friend of mine that I would see in Atlanta occasionally and she'd say, how are you? And I'm like, Oh, I've just got a little too much to do. And then I feel like every time I saw her, that was my answer. And she's like, it doesn't matter how big your box is. You're always cramming too much in there. And I feel that way a lot. So I really like to challenge myself to, I know this is kind of like a life thing, but baking is such a big part of my life at this point that it applies. It's just, I would like to know how much to take on, how much to do and, and kind of come to peace with it. Cause I want, you mentioned this before, but like about holiday baking, I want when I'm baking to enjoy some of the things I really enjoyed when I very first started baking, like the look of the frosting as it spreads on the cake, like the very like physical joys of just doing those things. And a lot of times I do find that I'm doing things to check them off the list like no doubt I still get a lot of pleasure and I still really enjoy it. Don't think that that's lost completely, but there are times when I'm like, Oh my gosh, I've got way too much to do. And it feels like I'm just jamming it in. And I'd really like to find the really happy place where I'm still doing a lot. Cause I do like to be busy, but not too much. At Mr. Jeremy Varner would like to know, Amanda, having lived in Virginia, Atlanta, and now LA, which is closer to me, how has <laughs> the environment and climate impacted your baking? Uh, so one quick thing, that's my friend and neighbor from Atlanta when we lived there. So big hello to you and your family. And I'll also add to the list, Virginia, Atlanta, Los Angeles, Denver, uh, Dallas, in Salt Lake City. <laughs> wow. I've done a lot of moving around in, in these years. Um, how has it impacted my baking? I would say, okay, this is like not a good science answer because I'm sure there's truth to it, but I feel like I always just work around things. So if it's like a humid place and things say, oh, don't try making candy on a humid day, I just do it anyway. I just turn the AC down and kind of like just work around it. Um, if I have the resources to do so, I mean, I know some people may not have, have, um, the AC to use, but if there's a workaround, I just kind of create my own environment and get it done. But I, the thing that maybe, I don't know if environment climate, if it falls under this umbrella, but I do notice myself wanting different flavors in different places. And it always surprises me when I move from one place to another, that something maybe I really loved previously just doesn't fit anymore. It's too heavy. Like coming to Los Angeles, it's like, here we are, it's December. We definitely have some chilly days, but for the most part it's warmer. So I'm thinking more about citrus and certain flavors like that versus spice. Like sometimes spice just feels too heavy for me on certain days. So um, that's definitely like climate impacted. So I'd say more like the flavor choices are impacted. I'm curious about for you, because you've gotten to have some really unique baking experiences where you go and bake in Portugal. Who gets to do that? You know, I mean, that's really cool. So 
does that like not so much equipment or recipes? Cause obviously those things are going to change from place to place, but do you find differences from there to California? Yeah. I, I think being in California, especially Northern California. Well, I only say that because I've never lived in Southern California, but, um, the focus on seasonality is such a big deal up here. And I know that's just a big trend everywhere really, but I'm always surrounded by such wonderful fruit. Um, I mean, you know, you all know my grandparents have an orchard full of things and where Jonathan and I live, we're next to like, there are pear orchards, there are apple orchards, there are citrus orchards. I mean, just the backyards in the Sacramento area are just full of, I mean, you see persimmons walking down the road this time of year. It's, it's just really fun to have that kind of um, connection to what's growing. So I think, Fruit is the biggest thing that in, that influence is my baking or what I want to bake here in California. And then when I'm in Portugal, fruit isn't a big part of their baking traditions. Um, yes, they they I mean their climate is super similar to what it's like up here in Northern California. So they grow all the similar similar things. Um, and in the Azores, they've all that tropical stuff, which is fun. And I find in the Azores, they do that, you know, they bake with passion fruit, they're baking with coconut and some of these other things. But in Portugal, everything's about the egg yolks and almonds and cinnamon and lemon. So I don't mind kind of falling in that whole world of these convent sweets that are just really, really rich, really different and um, have a lot of history and are so simple. There's something about I mean, I love an entremet that has, you know, 10 different flavor elements and textures, but, you know, to have a, a sponge cake that's only made with three ingredients that just, you know, makes you, I don't know, fall over in ecstasy. That's a little extreme, but you know what I mean? <laughs> that's special. That's special. So that's a little bit what's different there. Um, I think the simplicity or the complexity of the simplicity of these very simple ingredients like flour, sugar, and eggs um, really gets me. Very cool. It makes me want to float around the world on a baking tour, just experiencing all the climates and historical bakes. Yeah. Oh, it's so wonderful that you can experience history through eating. Well, our next guest is Joelle, and she's also from Canada. And she takes us on a wonderful journey through her baking and talks to us about an iconic Canadian bake. Hi, Joelle. Welcome to Flower Hour. We're so excited to talk to you and can't wait to dig into your whole baking life. But we'd love for you first to introduce yourself to our listeners and give them your info so they can find you on Instagram if they would like. Well, thanks very much, guys. My name is Joelle. I am calling from Vancouver, Canada. So I, I might be your token Canadian today. Uh, on Instagram, my Instagram account's just little compared to all these bakers out there, but I'm at J-M-B-R-A-D-L-E. Fantastic. And what a fun account it is. And I mean, I, we just kind of have to dive into the, the your latest post, this hot dog. Oh. <laughs> Tell I us all know, about it. And truly, okay, so I'll just say really fast, when I saw it, I thought... This is so interesting. It's a meringue contest, and this person entered a hot dog. How bizarre. And then I looked closer, and I'm like, no, it's a meringue hot dog. So I want to know all about it. And, and it was delicious. So um, about two years ago, I went to France, and I got really interested in, obviously, French cooking and baking. And um, 
you guys might know Rachel Koo, who is the co-host on Zumbo's Just Desserts. And she has this wonderful cookbook called The French Kitchen. And that's where she came up with that recipe. And it looked so fun. And I, one day I was at a French bakery in Vancouver. I came across the rhubarb and, and I just knew it was meant to be that I had to make this uh, rhubarb hot dog. I love it. And then instead of mustard, it's, it's whipped cream, of course. Of course. Yes. I love that uh, French pastry is put on this pedestal, but it also has this extremely playful side and that hot dog captures it so perfectly. And then I was just so delighted, like within three minutes of me putting it up for the contest, the first person to respond was Rachel Koo herself. So really? Yes. And she said, it looks perfect. And I was like, oh my God, because What I absolutely love about this baking community and Instagram is like, it takes this whole world community of baking and makes it so small and tight. And um, you really just feel like you're part of a community. You know, what's interesting is we've talked to, you know, we had three contest winners and you're third today and all three of you guys have mentioned that. And it's, it's something that's so dear to Jeremiah and I, and I just love that this is something that it's pervasive. It it spreads throughout the whole baking community, how important this, this place is. Yes. I mean, I'm getting emotional over here. This is, it's very special, very special. Well, tell us how you got started baking. I've always done some baking my whole life. Um, I think my mom probably thought, you know, she needs to teach her daughter to bake. And, and I remember her, in the kitchen with me and she'd show me how to use the scoops and the spoons and to cut off the top and make it really even and accurate. And so I I learned about accuracy and keeping a clean kitchen from my mom. And I've kind of been baking a little bit ever since, but I probably really got into it again about three, four years ago. And out of all the things that you bake, do you have something that's your favorite bake, something you like to go to just uh, when you don't really have something specific you have to do? Um, I usually have a reason to bake. Like I love to bake. And so actually I decide I want to bake and then I figure out who needs my baking. Um, right now it's just me and my husband at home. And so my husband is very, very good. He will eat one dessert a month, uh, not a month, a week, one dessert a week. So I always have a place for my stuff to go. So I, I always volunteer to bring the birthday cake or something to work, but probably if I had to make yeah, no, I'm always making something different, but I, I do have a favorite recipe from from my childhood that I, I still make every once in a while. And this is from my mom, and it's it's very, very much my mom's recipe. It's it's called cheap fudge. And when I was growing up, my mom was very frustrated that these big sales, you'd go and you'd buy all this expensive chocolate and butter, and then they'd sell the little bake items for so cheap, and you may as well donate it to the school. So she had this recipe called cheap fudge, which is made in the microwave, icing sugar, cocoa, margarine, if you can believe it, um, evaporated milk, (laughs) and vanilla. And you microwave it three times, stir it, pour it, and you're done. And it is always the most popular thing. So I I still bring that to work every once in a while if I need um, something quick. And, And I splurge and use butter instead of margarine. We approve of that yeah. splurge, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know, is there some Canadian bakes that us Americans or the greater world community, we need to try? 
interesting. So I have yet to make this, but the Nanaimo bar. So it's kind of this uh, chocolate. It's not quite a cake base and it's not a cookie base. It's a bit moist with a custard middle and a chocolate thing over top and that can be reinvented so many ways like you can do a christmas version with peppermint and eggnog version that kind of thing so that would probably be the quintessential canadian bake that i would think of i haven't tried those amanda have you i haven't i've been dying to i feel like it's one of those things like during the holidays there's always so much to make and then i see a few of them pop up on instagram during the holidays i'm like oh i need to do this or throughout the year and then some reason i never i haven't made the time for it but if you haven't and i haven't is there a recipe that you think we should try I have a recipe in one of my cookbooks that I want to try soon, and it's in Rosie Dakin's Butters Baked Goods. And she has something called an eggnogless, so an eggnogless uh, Nanaimo bar. And I guess, like, her little story is she, for some reason, had to make an eggnog Nanaimo bar in July, and she had to figure out how to do it without having access to eggnog. So. Oh, wow. I love everything eggnog, so that would suit me. But Amanda, am I remembering right that you're not an eggnog girl? I'm not an eggnog person. <laughs> so the eggnogless nine nine how do you nine I'm like I get Nanaimo. lost somewhere in that word. Nanaimo. Nine is that how you say? It? Nanaimo. Nanaimo. Uh, the eggnogless would be the way to go for me. <laughs> Maybe yeah. the the Christmas candy cane, <laughs> or or just the plain regular Nanaimo bar. Yes. Oh, Christmas candy cane sounds really good. I feel like you have to like live up that trend during the holidays because it's one of those things that's a little peculiar to do in, you know, March. So I'd kind of like to yes. get that fully out of my system this time of year. I also want to ask you too, since um, you brought up Rachel Koo, have you tried her, anything from her new book, My Little Swedish Kitchen? I haven't got my hands on it yet, but uh, I, I'm excited to try something. She is so lovely. I totally fell in love with her from Zumbo's Just Desserts, and I haven't baked anything from her recipes, but um, I would just love to. Yeah, and there's a certain kind of recipe that book that I just love, and it's got a photo for every recipe, and it's got the the little story up top of where this recipe came from, and she does that kind of recipe book really well, and and Rosie Dakin of Butters Bakes Goods. I'm with you. I really appreciate it when there's a picture for each recipe. It makes a big difference. Before we let you go, we have to ask you our classic flower hour question, which is if you could bake for anyone dead or alive, who would you bake for and what would you bake? And before I answer that, I'm going to have a question for you guys before you let me go. Okay. I love it. So it was probably three years ago that I went to Butters Baked Goods in Vancouver and I was just fascinated with this bakery and everything in the window. And then I saw the cookbook and I read the cookbook and this woman was an interior designer, Rosie Dakin, and she just kind of reinvented herself and her career. I'm guessing at like age 35 or 40. And, and I just looked at everything in the book and I'm like, I have the capacity to make these things. And, and, she really got me back into baking. And so I would probably bake for her. And I would have to decide between... The cake I love to make right now is 
a vanilla cake with an orange blossom Swiss meringue buttercream. And she's really into cake, so I, I'd love to try that out on her. Or my grandmother's sour cream puff pastry. I'm swooning over here. I want that cake. Oh. I need that cake. It sounds dreamy. Yes. That orange flower water is lovely. Yes. Yes. So I have a question for you guys. Um, come February, I might be part-time co-hosting a podcast of my own. We've got a physician wellness group up here. I'm a, a hospital doctor and we've got um, plans to start a physician wellness podcast. And I wanted to ask each of you if you have like a, a do and a don't for being a great host or having a great show, because I just love what you guys are doing and I'm trying to pick it apart so I, I can steal from you. I think that one thing that's helped me a lot is listening back to the recordings, listening. It's sometimes it's hard. We never love to hear our own voices. Right. But, um, if you listen back and then you can kind of just make notes of what, what you feel like works and what doesn't work and you can make improvements. But then I think to just be in the moment and to have fun, be lighthearted and be present, I think is another thing I would recommend. And then the research, the research is a lot of fun beforehand um, and planning things out and having a plan. I think we've gone kind of the whole, whole gamut of like kind of just showing up and seeing what happens and then been having a really, really tight outline and then things in between. So I think just be brave, which you are, and then see what happens. You'll figure it out as you go. You'll keep refining as you go. We're still refining and we will be for as long as we make this. What do you think, Amanda? I think, yeah, your last part about we're still refining is that's a hundred percent true. I mean, it's, for us, it's been very much learn as we go. And even your first bit of advice about listening back is I'm terrible about that just because I start to get really, really critical of myself. And sometimes, sometimes when I listen to it back, I can get so hard on myself that I feel yeah. like it affects yeah. the next podcast. Cause then I'm like a little timid and scared to talk in such a free way. So um, trying to be really good about things like that and not let it aff affect your confidence, but then be willing to get better, critique yourself and get better. So I'll second that advice. I think that's very good, Jeremiah. Um, and then also, I don't know, you know, your exact situation, but most podcasts like ours, you start out and it's zero pay. So I would say do it in a way that you enjoy it. So if you have a host, have someone like Aww. Jeremiah, like, like we have each other and, I look forward to talking to him. I would talk to him for free. Uh, so, you know, if it's something that's just really daunting and terrible, um, you know, like I said, depending on how it's sponsored or whatever, typically I would just say, make sure it's something that you would do for free because you probably will for a while. That's maybe just general for anybody thinking about it. And for us, um, getting to talk about baking with people we want to talk to and talk with each other makes the whole thing worth it. So uh, that's my thought. Well, thank you yeah. very much. You got it. Thank you very much for coming on today and uh, looking forward to seeing other uh, bakes of yours pop up and whimsical fun things like that <laughs> meringue hot dog. Thank you. Have a great day, guys. You too. Okay, so we just heard from Joelle, and interestingly enough, our next listener question is from her, J.M. Bradle. 
she wants to know, this is a really funny question. If they make a movie about you, which actors should play each of you? Okay, Jeremiah, who's playing you in a movie? <laughs> Joelle, I need your help. You decide. I'm so bad at this. I just want that person to have really big muscles. That's all I, that's all I care about. <laughs> that's really funny. Uh, for me, so, okay, true. I'm just, you know, honesty here. I asked you this earlier, Jeremiah, I told you, I was like, somebody wants to know this. I think it's really funny. So then I kind of brainstormed with you. And my answer to you was not so much because of appearance or anything like that, but would be, um, goodness, her name is slipping my mind. Kate Hudson. Uh, Kate, is that her name? Yes. Yeah. Goldie Hawn's daughter. Yeah. Her vibe is just really fun. Kind of like, you know, like a little bit of a hippie vibe. And then I appreciate that. She's really funny. I think that would be key. It would have to be somebody funny for me to be entertained by myself. Cause if it was like a serious role, I would die. Although I don't think anybody's making a movie about me anytime soon. So that's pretty awesome. (laughs) I don't have to stress about that. Okay, so this is um, Bonna Moon, B-O-N-N-A Moon. If you could date any dessert, what would it be and why? Oh my gosh. I'm just going to say what first came to my mind. I don't even know why it came to my mind, but a St. Honoré tart. Why not? <laughs> it's so you basically want to date a prince? Is that... <laughs> I think a saint, basically. Saint Honoré is like like the patron saint of pastry chefs, right? So that's good. I'll be very, um, I don't know, it'll be good conversation. I'm I'm cool with this kind of like, we can talk uh, metaphysical things. I don't know. But the idea of puff pastry, shoe pastry, pastry cream, caramel, I'm in. I'm in. That's a lot to, to get into. A dynamic person, a delicious person, a fancy person. Yeah. I mean, I just think it looks so regal. So I'm like, yeah, a uh, priest prince is. uh... (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good to me. It's really funny. (laughs) I hope people don't think we're weird. Oh, well, if they do. Okay. Yeah. Your turn. (laughs) We are what we are, man. So the first thing that popped into my head was chocolate mousse. Cause I'm like, it's so sexy, but then I've always been like a long-term relationship kind of person. So I want something I could enjoy long-term. So I'd have to go with chocolate cake. That's probably no surprise to anybody, but I want something that's delicious every day. You could serve it after most any meal versatile. I just love it. And that's the kind of love that would last me a lifetime. I know you said date, but I'm in it for the long haul. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect answer. Okay. Well, we have another question from Southern Fatty. Who was our favorite guest? Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) Okay, Southern Fatty, you're so funny. And I know you also said behind the scenes. Uh you said favorite guest, just kidding, just kidding. Hear that, Brian. So he's talking about Brian Hart Hoffman. You've probably heard these episodes. We've had each of them on twice. So there's a little bit of a flower hour throwdown going on. I think they should do a bake-off and we should be the judges. Oh, may- oh, I just had this thought. Yes, maybe they should do a bake-off and only one of them gets to come on three times. <laughs> 
whoever wins the bake off super high stakes right i don't know i love it idea some kind of a throwdown that sounds wonderful well it's time to get through that holiday baking list we have to say goodbye to you all all right it's been a great 2018 we'll be back in january with more flower hour and lots of baking for you to love but happy holidays to everyone and happy holidays. Be sure to subscribe to Flower Hour on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you're enjoying your time with us, leave us a review. We'd appreciate it. <laughs>